Blog Talk Radio. Good morning. This is the Lois J. Wetzel Show, and I'm your host and executive producer, Lois Wetzel, coming to you live this morning from 9 a.m. Houston, Texas, Central Time. I want to remind you to register for Blog Talk Radio. It's free, and if you do that, you can rate my show, mark it as a favorite, and let people know that you were here and listening to my show. You can get reminders of upcoming shows. It's all free. My call-in number is 347-945-5309. You can call using the telephone or Skype. You can listen on your phone or your computer. If you're calling in and you want to ask a question, just hit the number 1 and I'll know that you would like to ask a question. I also want to remind you that I offer a free email newsletter about metaphysics, spirituality, the coming changes, all the kinds of things we talk about here on this show. I've been sending this newsletter out for about 12 years, and to sign up for that, you would go to my website, hotpinklotus.com. I do not share email addresses with anyone because your privacy is important. Well, good morning. It's Friday, and it is uh, December the 16th, 2011. And in exactly five days, we will be on the one-year countdown to 2012, to December the 12th, I mean 21st, 2012, which is supposedly the day that uh, one of the major uh, opinions that people have about the interpretation of what day the Mayan calendar ends, although there have been some other people, very prominent people, who have thought that it was going to end on October the 28th this year, and I don't know about you, but I didn't notice anything particularly profound happening that day. Maybe it did, and I just missed it. Um, But that's going to put people in a completely different frame of mind, I suspect, um, thinking about what they can do to prepare. Maybe something's going to happen. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's just a a peak, as some people say, in a huge uh, about 15-year time span um, in which major changes are happening um, on the planet in general, but to us as a race of beings. Um, I suspect, and this is what I've been saying all along, I suspect that what's going to happen is there's going to be, maybe not in the twinkling of an eye on that one particular day, but there's going to be a major shift in the way we perceive reality, the way human beings perceive reality. I predict that we're going to start seeing things that were always here that we did not see before. We're going to start perceiving things at a greater distance away from our own physical being without the support of machines. And it's going to just be an expansion of our natural abilities. We're going to be able to hear things, smell things, 
see things, feel things, know things at a much greater distance than anything we've ever been able to do before. So um, this is part of the ascension process, which no one's ever actually managed to define. You know, what is ascension? There are those who say that uh, that's what happened with Jesus when, and a lot of other people too, not just not just picking on that one particular very famous lifetime, but that there are a whole lot of people over the course of thousands of years on this planet who have done the very same thing, and that is transform their physical body into a body made of light. There are those who say that that's what Jesus came to demonstrate was that you could transform your physical body into a body made of light post-mortem. In other words, that his body was dead and that it changed into a body of light after he passed away from physical life. That means your body turns into light and joins with your spirit. Okay, that's a hard thing to wrap your head around, I know, but there are a whole lot of uh, caves in Tibet. At least there were. Um, Some of them are still there. Which carry the frequency that allows people to more easily ascend, either while they're still alive or after they've physically passed over, because... um, it's happened in those caves so many times. So how do we how do we get to that place where we're ready to ascend? One of the things that happens when you do ascend is, at least this is what's reported by people who have been attendants of monks who were in those caves I just mentioned and. After they pass, there's nothing left. After they move into the light or become light, there's nothing left but hair, fingernails, and a little bit of dust. And personally, I think the dust are detritus or parasites or things you don't really need in your body. So assuming that that's the case, how would you get ready to leave behind the least amount of dust? Because from my readings, what I have come to understand is the cleaner your body is, physically and emotionally, on the inside, of course, um, the cleaner it is, the easier it is to ascend. You have less to burn through. And when I say burn through, I'm going to give an example the cloud of the shroud of Turin, which looks like Jesus um, had moved through this shroud, leaving behind some sort of heat signature. That's what scientists have speculated. That's why there's an imprint on the shroud uh, that it was produced by heat. So, how do you get your body clean? And that's the thing I've been doing lately, and it's about following guidance, which you're probably wondering how I was going to get to following guidance from there, huh? Well, this is it. Lately I've been thinking, well, gosh, if this is going to become a possibility, if the alignment of the planets is such that um, we're going to be encouraged, and this is 
you know, this is out there. People have been talking about this for years, but this is one of the possibilities about the end of 2012, um, that the planets will be lined up so that it will be easier to ascend and that this happens every 13,000 years or so. Well, if what you want to do is get your body clean, and I've been following guidance lately and working on that, is one of the things you want to do, of course, would be a liver and gallbladder flush. Now, those are all over the Internet. So if you want to do a liver gallbladder flush, get rid of the toxins in your liver and gallbladder, which is just really generally good for your health anyway, just go Google that. Remember, Google is your friend. Google liver and gallbladder flushes and do one. I have given handed those out to people, clients of mine, who thought they needed a gallbladder surgery. And um, after doing the the first flush, they've released so many gallstones or liver stones, and they're impossible to tell apart. You do a flush and you get rid of both of them. Um, they, they no longer need surgery, and some people do it on a very regular basis because they just happen to genetically be some of those people that build those little stones. So that's one thing you can do is a liver and gallbladder flush. Okay. And another thing you can do... Um, for cleansing is to meditate on a regular basis. This is a very cleansing, clearing, purifying thing, especially if you're, that's your focus. Another thing you can do is um, to clean your chakras on a daily basis. And basically there are there are two ways to do that. A shower will do that. In fact, a whole lot of people who are working on immortality shower twice a day or bathe twice a day because the water just cleans the chakras. Another thing that will clean them that's considered equally important is sitting in front of a a fire. Now, if you don't have a fireplace, it's kind of hard to do that. They say that a cluster of little candles is is good too, but not nearly as good as as the open flame from a a fireplace or one of those... um, fire pits you can put out in your yard, Um, but standing in front of a fire, the flames flick through the uh, chakras, which of course spiral out, not just from the front, but from the back of the body, and they're, they're spiraling and they're moving all the time, and they move out like a cone, getting larger as they get further away from you, so that's a great way to clear your chakras too. Let's see some other ways to cleanse your body. Fasting periodically is awfully good for your body. Just one day a week. Just, in other words, you would eat your dinner, your evening meal, and then not eat anything solid until time for the evening meal the next day. That's a 24-hour fast. So I've been doing a lot of following guidance to cleanse and purify my body, and there are many other ways. Just, again, Google's your friend. Look on the Internet and see if you can find other ways to cleanse and purify yourself. Now, emotionally, if you would like to do some emotional release, there are all kinds of methods of energy medicine and energy psychology to help you with emotional releasing. Uh, But just something you can do at home is the apple cider vinegar bath. What you do is you bathe in a warm tub. You soak for 30 minutes. And to the water, you have added two to three cups of apple cider vinegar. 
and you soak in that again for about a half an hour. Then you drain the tub, turn on the shower, and rinse um, your auric field. What happens is that the vinegar pulls uh, excess emotion, releases them from the tissues of your body. Now, this is uh, not a substitute for getting counseling or energy medicine or anything like that, but it is just a a little thing you can do at home that will help, and you do it on a regular basis if you're smart. After you've soaked for 30 minutes and you take your shower, what happens is the vinegar has pulled the emotions out of the tissues, a certain amount of it anyway, and into the auric field where the shower rinses it down the drain. Sorry, I'm having to stop and clear my throat periodically. You'd think I know better than to drink milk or have any cheese before I do a a radio show. It's really not good for your throat. Um, So... There are some other things you can do to um, to cleanse your body, mind, spirit. One of them is uh, get rid of trauma from past lives. Get a past life reading. I do, and so do a whole lot of other people. Allow your guidance to take you to whomever you're supposed to be with. So the question then, of course, becomes, well, how do I follow my guidance? Um, how do you tell internal guidance from your own voice in your head? Well, that's difficult at first. A lot of people, uh, that's the most common question. How do I know if it's a a thought um, or internal guidance, um, like spirits speaking to me? Um, When you're a kid, most people will tell you that everything that comes into your mind is your own thought. In fact, I think the majority of people still believe that. I know now that the majority of what comes into your head is not your own thought. (laughs) Most of the time it's from elsewhere. Um, At least in my case, it's from elsewhere. Um, So let's see, a good place to start in answering that question is, is the thought in your head something that's spontaneous that just pops in? like the thought that you need to call a certain person, but you don't know why, or that you need to, um, I would say you're in the grocery, this is how it happened to me first, in the grocery store, I would be shopping and I would look at an object and think, oh, I need to get one of those. Now, whether it was a can of tomato soup or anything else that I didn't think I needed, and I'd, I'd see it and I'd go, oh, you, you need to get one of those. And I'd think, uh, no, I don't know any reason why I need one of those. And I'd started meditating and having the intention of getting in touch with my spiritual side. And I would hear subsequently, yeah, pick it up or you'll be sorry. You'll wish you had it later. And then I'd go, well, pooey. Okay, so I I would do that as an experiment. I would pick it up and put it in the basket, get it home, and sure enough, anywhere from that day to, you know, four or five days later, I would need that object. I would um, get a recipe that called for that. I would find a new recipe and think, oh, I'm going to make that. And I would need that tomato soup, for example, or even the most random item like a, a spool of yarn that 
I would not normally need or uh, binding twine. I would need to mail a package and I would not have had the twine. So that's one way of following guidance is when you think something often when it pops into your head and you're not, you don't have any logical reason to be thinking that and you're not clear why you would think you need to do that or buy that or or whatever, those are more likely to be thoughts that are coming in from your guides, the ones that there's no particular logical reason to be thinking. I'll give you an example. This is later on in my life, but I started getting the idea that I needed to do a radio show, and I went, oh, no, 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 I don't want to do a radio show. Why would I want to do that? I don't have a clue how to do that. But it kept coming up persistently again and again and again until I went, okay, this is guidance. I don't want to do it, but I'm being told to do it, so I'm going to do it. I began doing research, talking to people who had radio shows, asking people uh, if they knew anybody who did it or if they knew anything about how to do it. And I found out it was relatively simple to do, and um, I began doing it even though I really didn't want to. And the benefits that have come to me in strange, unexpected ways from doing a radio show have just, you know, knocked my socks off. But I had no way of knowing that those benefits would come to me um, without doing the radio show. And so that's been extremely um, surprising to me, even at this late date in my career of following, which is well over 25 years, trying following guidance or trying to follow guidance, that um, indeed every so often something will come up that, that I'm told by my guides to do that I don't want to do. And then I do it, and I'm glad I did. So who are these guides, and why are they talking to us? Well, as you you would probably expect that there would be some angels involved in this sort of thing, and there are. They're always available to us to uh, ask for help or to receive guidance. And then we have regular guides, people who have been our friends and family or are our guides in many other lifetimes and for whom we serve that purpose sometimes when we're between lives, who are in spirit form but they're not in physical form. At least most of them are not also in physical form. And they're there to help out with some details. Um, Once, not too long ago, I was meditating at Bell Rock in Sedona. This was a couple of years ago, probably. And I sat down under a tree um, on a big flat stone over where there would have been a creek if it had been raining, but it had not. And I closed my eyes, and after I did, I saw in my mind's eye um, a being. I thought, well, I'll just sit here and meditate for a minute. And I saw this being. I totally did not expect him. I could see that he was, his predominant light color was sort of a pea green um, or seafoam green. And... um, he said his name was Dwayne, and I'm going, okay, 
if I were going to make up a name for a guide, this is not my imagination because I would never pick the name Dwayne. And I said, well, Dwayne, what is it that you do? Because I know the names of some of the angels that I work with. And he said, well, I take care of details. And if you uh, want to get to the airport on time, I'm the one who arranges all the things ahead of you so that there aren't any wrecks and there aren't, you know, the traffic goes smoothly and that you get there in plenty of time. He said, I take care of, of details. And so whether you call on me by name or not, when you ask for help with something, well, I'm the one who handles all the little details. And he had a female counterpart whom he introduced to me, and she was very shy. She had sort of a lavender color to her, and she said, I take care of romantic things, and I don't have much to do lately, but I will let, later on when you're ready, which I thought was kind of funny. And um, so how do we know, I mean, and I know the names of the angels, and that's personal, so I'm, I'm not, not that I care about the names of them. You know, a lot of people ask me the names of who their guides and angels are, and I'm thinking, why do you care? I, because I don't care. <laughs> I know which energies I can trust and which I can't, and... um Anyway, the name's not significant in my opinion. So um, how do you know if if the ones, the beings who are talking to you, and this is so important, so important, how do you know if they have your best interest in, at heart? I never really wondered that. I always assumed I could trust my guides and that I would know if something that was not good for me was present and talking to me. But I have since learned that, you know, I may have been born with protection in that area based on past lives I've had. That was not an issue I ever had to deal with. But there are people who do have to deal with the issue of beings coming to them who um, are telling them things that are not in their best interest. So I learned this particular thing early on and then forgot about it for a while uh, and became reacquainted with that information about in 2007 when I went to a class in North Carolina on a completely different subject. But um, there are light beings, actually actual light beings, who do not have our best interest at heart. They don't understand what we're doing here. They don't understand a planet where you have to struggle and suffer, and uh, that's how spiritual growth happens, and it has been that way. I'm not sure it's going to be that way in the future, but it has been that way, and it still is that way to a certain extent now. So these beings are light beings, but they are called luciferics. There is a dark sort of being that's got a different name, which I'm not saying on my radio show, so I'm acknowledging that there are very dark beings out there. Um, and you can feel when they're dark. Most people won't listen to them at all. We're going to talk about the Luciferics, though, the light beings. They really are light beings, but they don't have our best interest at heart. How do you know if it's instead of one of your guides or an angel, it's a Luciferic? They try to knock us off our spiritual path. They think we're being silly and wasting our time, and they're silly, and they just play. Um, so they don't see any reason for us to suffer, and they don't see any reason in our for us to get our um, 
life mission accomplished or our spiritual goals accomplished. And so they will tell us um, that we're the best, we're the greatest thing since sliced bread. Or you're the most wonderful thing to come to the planet since ela- since elastic or Velcro were invented. You know, I'm just kidding around now, but they do pump your ego. So any um, any light being or any voice in your head that's telling you you're going to be more famous than Cleopatra or that you're the greatest and that you're amazing, that you're wonderful, and pumping your ego, that is not someone you need to be listening to. That is a point at which you call on your angels to get this thing to go away and leave you alone, and they will. Um, they can't remain without your without your permission. They will try to pump your ego, and they will try to distract you from your job, from what you're here to do. And um, so anything that's trying to build your ego, whether it's someone in the spirit world or if it's uh, one of your friends, discourage any being that's trying to do that. And trying to do that. In other words, if one of your friends is trying to build your ego, and we're talking about adults now. With children, that's a completely different thing. Children need their egos built. They need to have strong egos to function in the world. But if you're an adult, what you're trying to do is become more spiritual. And that is always a fight within us between the ego and our spirit. Spirit wants to guide us, to uh, show us the way to fulfill the re- our life's purpose, the, our, the thing we decided we or things that we decided we wanted to do before we came to the planet this time. So spirit should be making decisions like uh, how to, um, it, which, what, what do you want to major in in college? Who are you going to marry? Are you going to have children or not? Are you going to live in Florida or New York because your opportunities will be different in those two different places? Or are you going to move to Europe in your retirement years? Are you going to stay in Arizona? Those are the kinds of things spirit, the big things, spirit needs to decide. And ego, which was invented long, long ago to keep spirit from um, being over, uh, overly eager to get things done and not taking care of the body. Ego's here to keep the body alive. And the way it does that is it uses fear. And so anytime fear is coming up, you know that's the ego. Ego talks to you in your head. Spirit talks to you in your body. When you've got that gut feeling or that sensation in your heart, that's spirit talking to you. And sometimes you'll hear a voice in your head that will also be, especially if you've been meditating for a while, that will also be spirit talking. But anything that involves fear or pumping up your ego, that's not spirit talking. So, following guidance, how do you uh, get confirmation that what your guides are telling you is indeed um, what you think they're saying or telling you or, or hinting around to you, that that is indeed what they're saying, that that's truly spiritual guidance? Well, one of those ways is 
you get some sort of divination tool. A pendulum is nice. A pendulum is an object that's on the end of a string. Some people call it a plumb bob, and carpenters use it. Um, and you hold it in one hand and ask for your spiritual guide to talk to you through the pendulum and then have the ask the pendulum to show you, you know, what it its version of yes is and watch to see what it does. Does it go back and forth away from you and toward you, back and forth? And then or does it go to side to side or does it make clockwise circles? What does it do? And then ask it to show you no. And you can ask once you've determined what yes and no movements are with that pendulum, you can ask your guide's questions. First of all, you can ask it, you know, um, are you my spirit guide? Now, the Luciferics uh, will not tell you their names, by the way. If you ask them what their names are or where they're from, and this is the only way a name is significant to me, they won't tell you. But a true guide will tell you what their name is and where they're from. The Luciferics can't be bothered. They're too busy playing. So when you've got your pendulum, you can, um, if you ask your guide's names, for example, and you get a name, then you can ask the pendulum, is this your name? Is Are you Dwayne or Fred or Lisa or whatever the the spirit guide tells you in your head if you're to that point that you can hear things? Because some people see things and some people hear things and some people just know them. And whatever your method of getting guidance is, embrace that. Don't say, oh, gee, I wish I had something else. Just be glad you've got some sort of guidance at all, that you perceive things beyond just your five senses. So a pendulum is one way to confirm guidance. Another way is to learn how to read cards or to go someone you trust to someone you trust who does read cards and get confirmation like that because if you've been getting messages from your guides and someone reads cards and you have not told them what the messages you're getting are and they say the same thing then that's another way of getting confirmation from your guides it's through another person Frequently you can get a message like in your head, you hear something in your head, and then you see a billboard that confirms it, or you hear something on the radio or television that confirms it, and it's usually immediate, right after you've had the thought in your head, then boom, out comes something from the radio as you're driving the car, or a billboard, or it comes on the television, or that sort of thing. Something you couldn't have planned but has... um, has to do with what you just heard in your head. And see if I can think of some other ways of receiving guidance. Dreams. Oh, my goodness. This is an awesome way. Frequently, our our guides and our higher self try to speak to us. Oh, and you can use a pendulum to ask questions of your higher self, too. Uh, Frequently, they speak to us through our dreams, and they do it with visual imagery. So if you want to experiment with that, you can get a a little light, like a little book light or a pen light or something, a notebook and a pen, put them by your bed, and right before you go to bed at night, write a letter to your soul or your higher self, however you want to 
whatever terminology you want to use, or your guides, and and write them a letter saying, I would like guidance on how to, um, what direction my career should take. I need clarity on that. Please show me what I need to do. Do I need to go look for a job in this other sector over here? Do I need to go back to school? Do I need to uh, look for a job in this other town? Whatever your questions are. Do I need to accept the promotion that's been offered? Whatever your questions are and you want guidance, you write it in a letter in your little notebook and you wait however many days it takes. Usually it's within a week. And when you have a dream and you awaken, sit up immediately or roll over on your side, whatever it takes, turn on the little light and write down what you can remember. Do some little drawings if you think that will help you remember. But do not try to analyze the dream in the middle of the night. Just write down as much as you can. Go back to sleep. When you wake up the next morning, you may even have had more information come in. And it's after you're fully awake that you can analyze your dreams. And you would be amazed, especially later, weeks, months later, go back and look at your dream journal. And you would be amazed at the things that came true that these dreams were pointing at or the things that unfolded that the dream symbology was pointing at that you just couldn't figure out at the time. So as a long-term practice, the more you've done this, the more you become familiar with your own dream symbols and the easier it is to understand the meaning of the dreams when they occur. So that's another great way to get guidance. And um, any divination tool, especially if you work with it on a regular basis. There are runes, R-U-N-E-S, and that's um, a Nordic method. They're in a little bag and you pull them out. You ask a question, you pull out a rune or sometimes three or sometimes a full layout. And the book that comes with them, and I like Ralph Blum, B-L-U-M, I like his book, will help you interpret the runes. And it's not ruins. It's not R-U-I-N, it's rune, R-U-N-E. It's not an English word, it's rune. Okay, so that's another technique, pendulums, tarot cards, and there are a lot of different tarot decks that you can learn to read for yourself. A lot of people pull one tarot card a day to meditate on as that day's guidance. Some people use runes that way. There are many divination tools out there. And, you know, I've noticed that men really like the runes. Not that women can't read them, but that men seem to resonate somehow with runes more than... uh, It's said that Vikings used them. Uh, That men seem to resonate well with runes. At least that's been my observation. Let's see. What are some other divination tools? Hmm. I'm not. None of them are popping into my head right now. So if I think of one, I'll say it. Um, I think that's about all I want to. I don't want to overwhelm anybody with uh, guidance and how to get guidance and how to tell the difference between a thought in your head and guidance. Um, once again, if you want to get some confirmation that it was guidance and not just uh, your ego talking, check with your divination tools. 
So I think I think maybe we'll just listen to some music. I do want to remind you that I do past life readings from the Akashic Records. If you ever want one, be sure and get in touch with me. It's Lois, L-O-I-S, at hotpinklotus.com, and I've written a book on that subject. It's available on Amazon and Kindle. It's called Akashic Records, Case Studies of Past Lives. And uh, on Kindle, it's only $2.99. And if you don't have one of those Kindle thingies, you can uh, download it right onto your computer and read it for free. You don't have to have a Kindle. I'm not sure they want everybody to know that, but it's true. It's true. Um, So thank you for listening. I'm going to play a little music. This is called, this is by Karunesh, and it's called Ancient Voices.
Oh, my God. 